John, I had just turned 28 years old when Buck Showalter became the Yankee manager in 1992. Where were you at? I was there, too, right with you, just a couple years older, covering the Yankees. It was quite an experience covering Buck at those times. I think he's loosened up quite a bit since then. Yeah, we were young beat writers then. I don't know that we've loosened up. We're grizzled veteran columnists, uh, podcasters now. Buck will join us to talk all things Mets. John and I will talk about best seasons we've ever seen and a very narrow playoff race. You could always listen to this podcast, but you could also see it starting Wednesday at noon on the Yes app. And I hope you always join us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Welcome to the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. This episode is presented by Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Visit your Cadillac showroom today. John, we have to admit something when you do a podcast as opposed to write a newspaper column. It needs to be evergreen. And as we're speaking, Aaron Judge has now gone almost a week without hitting a his 61st or 62nd homer. So we have to acknowledge that when you listen to this, who knows? Um, so I want to ask a broader question that could be a little uh, clearer for everybody is, what a great season, right? Is this the greatest season you've ever seen a baseball player have? It is the greatest season I've ever covered. It's the greatest season I've ever seen. I mean, I don't. we've never seen a guy break a home run record and get a triple crown. Now, obviously, he has not clinched either at, as we do this, as you mentioned, but he is in line on pace. And, I mean, obviously, Barry Bonds had all those great seasons. In my mind, at least, I'm not really counting them. So, if you throw them out, obviously, we've seen Trout. We've seen Betts. We've seen some great performances. Ricky Henderson. I've been around a while. I think you'd have to go back to Carl Yastrzemski in 1967. That was before my time to say there's a season that matches this. Yeah, I think the greatest season I ever saw, and I wonder if it's nostalgic for me, John, is good in in 84. He's 20 years old. He had had, obviously, the great rookie season in 84. Now in 85, he goes 24-4 and four with a 1-5-3 ERA. And I just am I nostalgic for a pre-internet age where you needed to be in front of a television every five days to see him pitch. It really resonates with me. And I want to say this, because this is going to be loaded, so I want to be careful about greatest as opposed to most valuable. I think it's possible the greatest season I've ever seen is being enacted by Shohei Otani this year. We are talking about a guy who's probably going to finish in the top five for the AL Cy Young and have 34 homers and a nearly 900 OPS. It's happening in front of us. It feels impossible, and yet he's doing it. I don't think it's the most valuable season, but it just might be the greatest season I've ever seen. Is it better than last year's season? I, yeah, I, don't know. I think because I, I, I think the he bulk hit better pitching, last year. He hit much better last year, right? He hit probably he hit better, but pitched worse. Yeah. Uh, I just think, but I mean, we're we're like, look, if he was ten and ten with a four ERA and had twenty two homers, that would be remarkable. Yeah. He's at the top of the field at both again. I just find it 
again, I'm not belittling anything about the judge season, which I still think is the most valuable season in the American League for a variety of reasons. But it's possible Otani is the greatest season I've ever seen. Yeah, it's the most miraculous, most incredible. He's the most versatile player. Judge is pretty versatile, too, but he's the most versatile. I don't think there's any question about that. I've been a critic of war, but in this case, I'm going to look at war a little bit because it's difficult to compare a guy who does pitching and hitting both. And if you look at the war numbers, they are 20% below Judge. So, I mean, because it's difficult to compare, I'm looking at the war numbers. Judge's season is better on both wars by 20%. I'm going to stick with Judge. Obviously, the Gooden season was fantastic. I've mentioned Guidry in the past, 1978. That may be before your time. I don't know. It's not before my time as a no, fan. I was, I was 14. Um you know, we can go back to Bob Gibson. That's one, one, a little two. before my time. Yeah, I mean, I was a fan at that point. You were a, a baby. Uh, you've matured since then, but barely. Um, I do. He, it's among the greatest seasons that we've ever seen, and the mo- one of the most great seasons of all time. Yeah, I think that we're seeing two at one time, and we're probably going to have to split hairs about what the term most valuable is, because I think part of what makes Judge most valuable also elevates the season, which is. He look. The narrative is part of this. The context is part of it. He did turn down two hundred thirteen point five million dollars in an extension. He had to play with that. He's been carrying the team uh, largely all year, especially in the second half when there were so many injuries and poor performance. And just tactically, his ability to play center field. I mean, if you don't like Aaron Hicks until Harrison Bader was ready to play, you've seen a lot of Aaron Hicks this year in center field. Judge, if right. Judge couldn't do that, right. which is one of the reasons the Yankees are in first place comfortably is because Judge did that and gave the options. But, I mean, I, again, I just can't ignore that we have a person pitching and hitting at the highest level when I just think about the best seasons I've ever seen. Well, you, you I'm going to ignore it in terms of the best because I'm looking at the war. I, I But you know, the I, war, John, like if you look at war for the, for the Cleveland Guardians, Jimenez and Stephen Kwan are ahead of Jose Ramirez. There's no way those two guys are more valuable than Jose Ramirez for 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 Cleveland. So right. I'm I, I always take. Or war. have they been better though? The war is just says which is better, not more valuable, right? It's possible. Yeah. We don't see the. No, does anyone? I mean, no offense. Right. The Guardians are a great story. Yeah. I I just started watching them a couple days ago. I mean, I I Ramirez was assuming has, they weren't going to make the playoffs. So it's possible Jimenez has been. The other teams have better. told us who the most valuable player is. Ramirez has been intentionally walked this year more than Aaron Judge. It's 19 to 18. So like other teams... Yeah, managers aren't play, always right. Yeah, you know? I, I recognize that, but that would mean but, they're all wrong. Well, they're he's a better hitter. He's a better hitter. Jimenez is an pretty incredible good field, defensive player. He is. Pretty yeah. good fielder, though. Excellent base runner. I'm just saying that if you have an American League MVP vote this year, are you going to look at war for the, for, for the Guardians and put Ramirez ahead of... Quan and and Jimenez, I would think that you would. He's more valuable, and we're playing this game just yeah. when when we're talking about. Well, what's great, the evidence that Otani's better? We need some evidence that he's better. Well, nobody has ever done this, right? Nobody. Uh, so well, there are, uh, there are a lot of things nobody's ever done. Does that make it better? 
I mean, it's incredible. It's amazing what he's doing. He he would be second if I had that ballot, and I do not have Again, that ballot. Again, but, but it's not bad. Now, now I'm saying I think Judge is the most valuable player right. in the American so League. We agree. We we said what is the greatest season I we've seen? You. The greatest season I've seen has to now include these last two years by Otani, and yeah. it feels like he's even better this year because while he might be down five eight yeah. percent hitting, it's still spectacular, Ooh. and he he's in play for the Cy Young. Right. I mean, it's an amazing season. I'd put amazing. Second, it's historic. But in terms of valuable, I don't think there's a, really a competition. There might be. A, he might get a couple. But again, of votes. that isn't what the conversation right. okay. was at the beginning. It's like, what's the what's the greatest? But I would need evidence that it's the greatest. To me, I know war is imperfect. Lou Whitaker well, has a higher war. Well, the evidence is nobody else does it. Like yeah. nobody else. Okay. I mean, somebody actually has hit 60 homers well, before. Well, Campanaris is the only one who played every single position. Does that make him the most that's valuable in a or the singu- best? But, but that's you a know, singular event, John. I think that's apples that and oranges. Done. There's a lot of things that nobody's done. Isn't that apples and oranges, though? That's there's a, a straw of, man, isn't it? There's like, a lot of things nobody's done that you could say. But does that make them the best? I, I don't know. He's amazing. He's incredible. He's miraculous. He's all of that. I agree well, with let, you. Let me, can I change the question? The let me change the question then. Judge's season is better. If you began this season and you were a general manager and I could give you Aaron yeah. Judge's season for any team, yeah. like a nu- neutral team, not yeah. the Yankees, not the Angels, or Shohei Otani's yeah. season. I would, would take do? Judge because my evidence is the war at this point and he's two games better. So, I mean, somebody might disagree. Somebody I might... would disagree. Okay, well, you're the one. Uh, there's I think one I'd in every find crowd. more than All right, one. Let's get to the playoffs. You want to get to the playoffs? I think we've exhausted this argument. I, I thought the argument was going well. Let's argue <laughs> out the playoffs. The playoffs got expanded this year, John, to six yeah. teams. And we thought, wow, more teams, more competition. Nope. There's only seven teams in both leagues who are above 500. And as right. we sit here today, I think the Orioles on Fangraphs have less than a 1% chance of making the playoffs uh, with their calculation. So we're essentially locked into six teams there. I think they give the Brewers a 20% chance sure. to overtake probably the Phillies. The Phillies play the rest of their, when we're talking, the rest of their games this season on the road. The Brewers are home. Is there anything to care about besides Mets, Braves for the playoffs with expanded playoffs? Yeah, first of all, I would say that's happenstance. You know, it's unlucky this year that there aren't great races. I I, I didn't expect better races because there are 12 teams or six in each league making it versus five. It's possible it would be better. It's possible it would be not as good. Obviously, this year it's not as good. Um, Seattle is in great position. I'm not counting them as a lock, though. I, I, if someone wants to give me those 101 odds, I, I'm going to take Baltimore. And I understand that Baltimore hasn't been playing great lately either. Seattle hasn't made it for more than two decades. That's incredible. They have one of the top 10 revenue bases in baseball. Um, they did make all the good moves. They got Castillo. There weren't a lot of great moves at this deadline. They should be a better team. But right now, Rodriguez is out. They lost a, what was the lead yesterday? They lost 11 run inning right? against Kansas City. Right, yeah. they they were, I think it was 11 to two, and they ended up losing like 14, 13. Or right, something they lost like that. by a run. Yeah, I mean, this is a team that has not gotten in. This may be hanging over their heads. I think there's something psychological there that Fangraphs maybe isn't figuring in. I mean, I do think Seattle will probably make it. I, I think Milwaukee, they're dangerous. I was just there. They had a lot of home runs. Willie Adamas, terrific player, underrated player. They do have Burns. They do have relievers that can close the game. Philly, I'm a little worried about Philly. I mean, they should have won that game. They had Robertson on the mound with a lead, 84% chance to win, threw a wild pitch, didn't close it out. 
I'm always worried about Philly. I'm not sure they're going to make it. Uh, again, I would take the I would take the underdog there if you give me the odds. And Milwaukee, I, I wouldn't bet against them. Well, you mentioned Seattle and Philadelphia as the vulnerable teams. They do have a commonality, which is they're the two teams that have gone the longest without making the playoffs. You pointed out Seattle since 2001. It's been 10 years since Philadelphia made it. Do you know who, if those two teams get in, you know who it becomes? Detroit. Detroit and the Angels have yeah. not made the playoffs since 2014. Angels. Yeah, that's Shohei Otani's team. Like, yeah, like that's as, your valuable guy. No, no. <laughs> as usual, you're miscasting what I said. Well, I'll go back and argue it again. I, I will say for the 19th time on the show that I think Aaron Judge is the most valuable player in it the American League. It is amazing. League. It is amazing. They have two of the greatest players, and they still and can't Trout's, figure out how to get in the playoffs. Even with missing a month, yeah. Trout's numbers... It's again, it's He's why amazing. war is problematic to me, especially for just look. I mean, I certainly look yeah. at it for the MVP. Trout, I think, is probably top five in war in the American League for a losing team where he missed a month. Right. I, well, I mean, losing and, team doesn't have anything to do with the war, but missing a month does but, hurt but I the mean, war. For, for the most valuable yeah. player. Yeah. Like, that's why I try not to just look at that stat because it rates out like Byron Buxton still has a great war this year. Right. The guy never plays, and one of the reasons the Twins stink. Well, when he, he plays, play. he plays great. So you, right. you can be MVP. I mean, to me, you have to lead your team to something. You can't right. be out of it in June and be the MVP unless you have such an all-time great – I mean, obviously we've seen guys, Andre Dawson, A-Rod, there have been guys who've gotten the MVP from poor teams, but that's in a year where nobody else is doing very much. In this year, obviously, Judge not only doing something, he's doing uh, – having like one of the greatest seasons – the greatest season in my mind that I've ever seen. So, to me, I, you know, the Angels are an incredible story. I know yeah. the first time we did this, we said they're going to do it this year, right? And we beat and up we Seattle. And we beat up Seattle. Well, we said, don't count Seattle as in yet. It's not over yet. Well, you know, I mean, you're a numbers guy, and the numbers site says that Baltimore yeah. has less than a 1% chance. Fangraphs is not always correct. Well, they're not. They're rarely connected. Right? <laughs> uh, but we use yeah. it. It's like war. Uh John, our guest later in this show is Buckshell Walter, so we'll do a lot of drilling down on the Mets. I wonder if we can go back to the, the Yankees now. Judge has obviously taken all the air out of the room as far as everything else is going on. And In fact, I think the Yankees need him to hit the home run and to win one more game so they clinch so that these kind of deals are done and they right. can use like as much of the last week, 10 days, to get ready for the playoffs. As we sit here, they're going to be the second seed. What concerns you about the New York Yankees? Oh, a lot. I mean, they've been so up and down. They're so unpredictable. They looked like the best team in baseball for a while. Then they looked like no, close to the not the worst. There were some really terrible teams. Close to the worst team. Like the Angels. Now, no. <laughs> they're, they're not the worst either. Then now they look like among the best teams. Right now the Guardians and the Astros, I guess, and the Jays look awfully good as well. But to me, I got questions about their rotation. I have questions about their bullpen. I've got questions about their lineup. To me, there to me, there's a lot of questions about the Yankees. Do they have a shot? Yeah, they certainly have a shot. I think we're at a point right now there are four or five really good teams, and then there's a gap below that. So I'm gonna be surprised if one of the five teams that we think is really good, including the Yankees, doesn't make it. I, I think they have a shot, but they got to answer a lot of the bull, to me. The bullpen is the biggest question. You know, I mean, you've written about this several times. What are they going to do in that bullpen? I mean, Chapman. They've got all these guys who've been all-star closers: Britton, Holmes, Chapman, all this talent, and they don't know who their closer is. They don't know who the setup guy is. 
You know, Boone's having to do mix, mix and match. He's done well. I'm not just saying that because he was a guest last week. I think he's done well with it despite the emails that I get, but a lot of questions. Yeah, you, you mentioned the Guardians. I, I still think this will come down to the Yankees and the Astros. Do you know since Cleveland took a three-game-to-one lead against the Cubs in the 2016 World Series, the AL Central is 4-22 and in the playoffs and have lost nine series. Yeah, this is how the Yankees advance pretty yeah, much. Well, that's mostly the Twins. Yeah. It's the Twins, the White Sox, and yeah. Cleveland. They all right. have lost a lot of games. The, the, the one thing about the Twins is they won none of the games, yeah, whereas like the Twins, the Cleveland has won two, Chicago's won two, of the four of the 26. Those, those are the I think wins Cleveland that, can win that first round, though. I, I do. Think they, they can win they it. They have a very deep, talented power bullpen, which gets me yeah. to I agree with you about the Yankee bullpen. All right, I good. Think, we agree this time. Yes. I think when you think you have a lot of answers – you probably don't have an answer. And I think that this idea, I see what the Yankees are arcing to do. We're going to find lanes for yeah. everybody. These are the three guys Lou Trevino's going to get. And these are the three guys Wandy Peralta's going to get. And these are the three guys. And they've tried this before. And one of the things that happens in a playoff series is those lanes close because one of the reasons they're a lane is those hitters don't see the relievers a lot. You keep showing good hitters the same reliever, the trick goes away. And I don't see anyone in that pen as we're coming to an end where you say, like if I ask you the question today, Yankees are three outs away from clinching around the World Series, whatever you want. You can hand the ball to anybody. They're all rested. Cole's giving you eight innings in a clinching game. Who are you giving the ball to? Well, I'd give it to Marinaccio, but nobody else agrees with me, so it's not going to happen. It seemed like until a couple days ago the answer was Holmes, but I I, I don't know what they would even say. What what, what do you think they would say? I think the answer is Holmes. I think the answer should be Lois Saiga because I think that he's back close to what he was last year when I when he was one of the better relievers in the sport. He gets a lot of... For the Yankees are a really excellent defensive team. For some reason, the ball finds holes when he's on the mound. He doesn't get hit very hard. I think he's he's back. I think the one thing I'm pretty confident about is it won't be Araldus Chapman, who has ended two of the seasons at the end of his hand. I'll just ask this big question thing. Would you even put him on the postseason roster? I, I think I would. I'd have to look at all the options. I'm not sure they will. I think I would. Let's give him a couple more chances and see how he does. Because, I mean, he still throws over 100 miles an hour. So, so I'm not giving up on him yet. They may, they may, but I, I, I wouldn't. I, I think the way the ALDS is set up, which is game one, day off, game two, day off, and then three in a row— I think they're going to take 14 position players and 12 pitches, so they could certainly get LeCastro, a pinch runner, on the team, yeah. and I think maybe get Matt Carpenter, a pinch hitter, on the team, which gets them down to 12. If you play, well, I'm not going to start naming every option here. If you do it, I'm not sure that Chapman could get on it. By the way, I'm not sure he gets to the finish line when they have to get, it seems they're just going to run out the clock on Miguel Castro and Albert Abreu. They have like on a 30-day rehab. They don't have to put them back on the roster, but they do have to put Peralta back on the roster for the Texas series. I don't know that there's an easy navigation unless you want to say option one of the younger guys like Marinaccio for a few days, which feels unfair, or Schmidt. I'm not sure Chapman makes it to the finish line. I think he's a very hard guy to trust in any situation off of what we've seen in the last two years to hand him the ball and say, go get it. Then again, you and I are old enough. We yeah. saw Graham Lloyd not get anyone out in 96. 
helped them win the World Series in 96. We saw right. Damaso Martier not get anyone out during the regular season in 2009, helped them win the World Series because stuff matters in the postseason. So do they take yeah. the stuff chance? Yeah, I mean, it's very unpredictable. Like I said, they've been the best team. They've been close to the worst team. They could run the table. It's too many for me at this moment. Looks like too many questions for the Yankees, including this is the big question: what what they do with that bullpen? Well, for all the questions about the New York Mets and hopefully the answers, Buck Showalter will join us next on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Back on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. We're so pleased. A special guest is Buck Showalter, the manager of the New York Mets, three-time manager of the year. Buck, I, I think you're in play this year. I know you'll say that's a jinx, and you have the first-place Mets this year. You'll definitely be in the conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. And you're joining two people who were there at the beginning, right, when you became manager of the Yankees in 1992. I just want to frame how long ago that was. Your first game was April 7th, 1992. These was the beat writer from Newsday, John Heyman, beat writer from the New York Post, uh, Joel Sherman. How long ago was that? The next day, Jeff McNeil was born, April 8th, 1992. Wow. Really? Yes. So, Can we find another perspective to put that on? <laughs> <laughs> so I actually want to ask you, so look, I, I, we obviously were around you a lot when you were first a minor league manager, then a coach for the Yankees, manager of the Yankees, and manager along the way, Arizona, Texas, Baltimore, now with the Mets. Buck, my perception, tell me if I'm wrong, it just seems like you're smelling the roses better this year, that you seem to be enjoying this. Am I right about that? And did you make a conscious decision, hey, I'm in my mid-60s now, this is my fifth job, I've got a very good team, we're going for for this, I want to kind of take it all in in a way that maybe you couldn't in previous stops? You know, maybe, Joel, only uh, good to see you and John. I I just – I don't consciously think like that. It may may be that way and it may come across that way, but it's kind of what every team needs. You know, you you kind of try to step back and go, okay, this is a different situation. That's a different situation. Uh, You mentioned Jeff McNeil might have different needs than Francisco Lindor. And, you know, the game's about them. And, you know, you're part of a very precious commodity that the fans, you know, want to see do well. And it's always been about the players. That's why I didn't want to do this podcast. <laughs> you know, anything, anything that separates you from the players or players from each other is not good. I try to stay away from those things, but yeah, I probably am, Joel. I, I but I, it's not a conscious effort. Maybe it's just the you know we keep getting thrown in situations. I've always enjoyed what I've done a lot. People may not think, but it's never been in the public eye as much. You know, hey, there's some moments where you go back to the house or you're talking with friends or you're, you know, in your office in a private moment where you feel very comfortable letting your hair down. But, you know, the world we live in, there's just so much. I just don't think it's good for our team and organization for the most part to be wearing every emotion on your sleeve. But believe me, I'm as emotional as the next guy. Buck, you, you've managed all over the country at this point, Arizona, Texas, Baltimore. This is your second tour back in New York. 
been with both teams. Uh, you're gonna, you are the second manager to get the both the Mets and Yankees into the playoffs. I don't know if you know the first. I only know it because Harold texted me that Yogi Berra was the first. How is it different? Is it better, worse, different in New York than it is in those other places? Well, I don't want to put any challenges out there media-wise, but I'll tell you this. Yeah, I'm not one of those guys that, that's real clingy to the past. I, I love things uh, in the past, but, you know, there's a lot of things that are better, John. You know that. You know that. Let's, let's be fair. You know, there's certain things about the game that uh, they've improved on should have. You know, we've stepped on our tails and things. We all want to think – we forget about how tough some of that stuff was. There's a certain fraternity when you, when you go through – things with people, whether it be writers, whether it be players, coaches, that, you know, you have certain memories of stuff. We tend to forget how challenging some of the stuff was. But, no, I I think uh, the more things change, the more they stay the same. I think you have to do the same things to to win games. New York's always had, in a lot of ways, I'm not saying it was easier to manage, but players, the day-to-day accountability and a lot of things don't get to my plate because – the atmosphere you play in takes care of it, quite frankly. I tell guys all the time to embrace it, that, you know, pressure is a privilege. And not everybody – you get through this and you're successful. I think that's one reason why Edwin's been so good this year, Diaz, is that when you go through the tough times here and you get through it and you respond, you get a certain toughness about you that other people can't get. So I try to embrace all the good things there are. Like David Cohn said, if it's not good, they're waiting to embrace you. It's up to you. It's up to you. You control it. Buck, as we're speaking here, uh, you're one game up in the NL East. You obviously have some games between now and then, but you have a big series against the Braves, Hurricane Ian, if it allows it uh, in Atlanta over over the weekend. I wonder if you could tell us how you plan to play the rest of the way. Will you go all out to win the division, even if that somehow you end up in second place? It might not set you up best for going right into a wild card how do you think about this? Do you, you had this little in 95, right, where you had to figure out that last weekend whether to use David Cohn and Jack McDowell, and you played all weekend without using them. How much thought have you put into how hard do I go the rest of the way here? Are you talking about Sterling Hitchcock and Scott Kamenecki? <laughs> yes, and Andy Pettit. And George Steinbrenner. Yes, oh, yes. Well, we got Steve Cohn now. But you know what? That, that whole thing was about we could uh... – at the very worst, we had won a coin flip. And the very worst, we were playing a one-game playoff with David Cohn pitching. And I just didn't feel like we could win. We could beat Seattle as good as they were unless Cohn pitched two of those five games. So we kept kind of rolling the dice in the season with, uh, you know, David was available to pitch those last two games. But we ran Sterling and uh, Scott out there, and it, it worked out. Not that I got anything back for it. But, <laughs> you know, that, that didn't end too well, but. Actually, it ended well for every, for a lot of people. But uh, I know this is going to sound cliche, but you guys know me a little, and this is the truth. It's about tonight's game and Pablo Lopez. That's what it's about. If you don't think I haven't, and we haven't thought about that, you know, we have talked about, you know, those things. But every day the landscape changes on how you look at it, and you can beat yourself up silly. But we look at it, you know, we've got, we've got a lot of different calendars. And right now it's about the Florida Marlins and one of the better pitchers in the league. And then it'll turn to Lazardo tomorrow, and then we'll let the smoke clear and see what Ian, Ian is, is doing. But at this point, certainly we have people that are aware of it and we're on top of it. 
but right now, you know, I was texting some with uh, Pete Alonzo last night. Our guys are focused on the game tonight, and I'm proud of them for that. They've done that well all year. Buck, just, just to jump in because of the, the similarity there, do you look at having DeGrom and Scherzer pitch as often as possible in a five-game series like you looked at David Cohn then and will do everything possible to preserve them as the one-two guys. And if you'd like to tell us who number one would be in that, we're happy to listen to you. So you're taking Bassett out of play? So so would you start Chris Bassett in game one of uh, division series over Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom? I'll answer that by telling you that Carlos Carrasco is pissing at Pablo Lopez. <laughs> and I know you had to ask it. No, I'm not going there yet. We have a lot of information. We do know we're going to be in the playoffs. I have to admit to that. And um, I'm proud of everybody for that. But... We, we've looked at it, and we're still crunching a lot of things, but it's good to have a lot of good options in our rotation to, to pick from. I'll leave it at that. You know, I, I think Scherzer and DeGrom are two of the most fascinating people in the game, beside being arguably the two best and most talented pitchers in the game. My personal thing would be to start Scherzer because, you know, his health situation, he's missed a few times this year because of the side. His arm is, seems to be in outstanding condition. Not that DeGrom isn't, but I would go Scherzer. You don't, you don't have to answer that question. But what have you learned about, now that you know them, that you didn't know before about DeGrom and about Scherzer? You know, John, it, it's funny. More than anything, this kind of verified that there are reasons why. There are reasons why guys go in my office in Oakland – and Max is on the day he pitched, Max is in there with the catcher going over every hitter, hitter by hitter. You know, he's always looking for a kind of a private place. We all know there's not many private places there. They're so prepared and so driven. And you know, everybody says, oh, they're competitive. But I don't think they really, really like to win. And they like it when the team wins on the days they don't pitch. Okay. They, they love winning. And I think with Jake, because, you know, he's got a taste of it. And then, you know, some things get a little sideways for whatever reason here and there. Being with the Mets and having the Mets win means a lot to Jake. And I think it's kind of carried him through some challenging times this year where, geez, a step back, two steps forward, you know, to get to get back. And uh, they're just they're just very win oriented. And I've had a lot of good, you know, Chris Bassett's like that. Ty Walker's like that. You know, Carrasco's like that. I've got a lot of guys that the only thing that they really equate whether or not they've had a good day is whether or not the Mets won a baseball game. And I, unfortunately, that's rare. Buck, I'm going to make some equation here to Aaron Judge because he's so good, right? Like Aaron Judge, as we're speaking, I think has gone six games without a homer, and you begin to say, what's up, as if hitting a home run. Did he, did he hit one He last did night? not. No, I watched Top Gun last no, night. Instead I, of I saw the original, like when you were manager of the Yankees, I saw the original. <laughs> I, I saw it, but I, I slept through it. My daughter liked it. She's 16. Okay. I'm so tired from road trip. I fell asleep halfway through it. I got to tell you, we start playing it. And I said, hey, this is only $2.99. And about 10 minutes into it, I realized I was watching the first one. I thought they were having a flashback <laughs> segment. So, I, you know, then I fell asleep, too. But luckily, it was on tape, John. I got to go okay, back. Okay, good. My wife did anyway. We're, we're going to go back to the show with uh, uh, Joel Sherman and John Heyman from Siskel and Ebert here. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Buck, I was asking the judge, like, judge, hey, he didn't hit a home run in six games. What's going on? DeGrom had a bad start, last start in Oakland. Just because he doesn't have the innings build up, hasn't pitched a lot, 
Does it raise an eyebrow of the manager or we just have to expect like Aaron Judge is going to go six games sometimes without a homer that Jacob deGrom is going to have a game like that every once in a while? You know, you know, Joe, I think a lot of it is when he's pitching most of the time, he makes it look so easy that people just think he throws his hat and his glove out there. You know, I don't think people realize how different a lot of places are to pitch in. You know, I knew going into Oakland's a very unique place, and I'm going to say that in a nice way. <laughs> you know you didn't say that in a nice way by pointing out that I, you said it in a nice way. I, I thought it was nice. Yeah, it, it, it's, no, it's no revelation. Everybody knows it's this challenge. I don't. You know, I love how they tell me, "Oh, we're close." Yeah, you've been saying twenty years you're close to the ballpark. <laughs> but I just, I like. Uh, I feel bad for the the, the organization because they they're a very competitive organization run by a lot of good people. But where Jake's concerned, I don't think people realize how hard it is to to do what he does and Max does. And he's so competitive. I just think that he, he really gets, he never takes something for granted. Can you imagine the mindset that the teams that he faces every day? I mean, we've had a couple of games this year where, you know, we go in these advanced meetings and we're going over a pitcher and the last thing you want to do is have the players go out there and say, why are we even playing the game? We got no chance against this guy. And I've actually said, hey, by the way, we got no chance today. This guy's a lot better than us. Just go have some fun. Nobody get hurt, and we'll, we'll, we'll get after tomorrow's game. And they look at it me like I've lost my mind. Because sometimes we paint these guys to be un, unbeatable. But, you know, they, he, he made some mistakes. All those borderline pitches in the first inning probably were balls. You know, everybody's so quick to jump on the umpire. And it's just one of those days where it kind of snowballed on him. In a way, I, th- I think it's a reminder to everybody it should be how hard it is to do what he does and how effortless he makes it look sometimes, even though it's not. For whatever reason, I've been mostly a Yankee writer this year. I, I think it's just a happenstance. But I, I watch almost all your games on TV. I've been out to the Mets quite a bit, too. But I watch most of them on TV. And one of my favorite things is the Buck hit-by-pitch cam. Uh, they always have the camera on you when your team is getting hit. And I know, I know, you're, you're, <laughs> I'm wondering what's going on, because you have set a record now. Your team has been hit the most. Is it so? Some... Well, we're trying to, John, we're trying to put it at an area that'll never be touched again. <laughs> is it, what do you, what do you, what's going through your mind? Is it something personal? I mean, you don't have, there are certain guys who get hit by pitch a lot. Rizzo gets hit by pitch historically a ton. I saw he tied Frank Robinson for ninth on hit by pitch. You really don't have a ton of those guys, yet you've been hit by pitch the most. You both broke the Reds' wreck. What are you thinking when this happens? Do you think there's something personal going on about the Mets? And how is Marte doing? Because that is a tough one. I mean, Marte was absolutely fantastic in the outfield, on the bases, hitting the clubouts, everything else. How is he doing? Is he going to be back to full health for the playoffs? And what, what do you think about it? I mean, just bad luck that you keep getting hit by pitch? Well, first of all, you know, Rizzo stands on top of the plate. He's got a reason. Sure. He carried that with him. Canna has been in the league leader to yeah. hit by pitch every year. We knew that. That's part of his skill set, and he knows how to do it. You know, he, he just turns his shoulder in. There's a certain uh, way that, you know, guys can – Joe, you know what's funny about this, John? As I've looked at all of them, obviously, I can't tell you a single one that I thought was intentional. I mean, do they, do they tick me off? You know, when you get to the fourth or fifth one in the game, I ain't happy. Okay? And that's another reason why I don't look at the, you know, the broadcast and it's just not. But I do look at those things and I try to, I, I go, why? I go, I keep going to our hitting coaches. Why? Why? I can't tell how many breaking balls we've been hitting the foot with. 
I can't tell you how many grazes. You know, I personally think that if you're wearing a piece of equipment that protrudes from your body, if it glances at equipment, I don't think you should get first base. What do you think? I agree with you're that. You're right. I think you're right. Like a baggy jersey or something. But I worry about it. I can't believe we got to this point and Mark Starling's the only guy that's really missed a whole lot of time with it. We've been very lucky. You know, we had to pull Guillermo out of the game because his, his uh, form blew up and couldn't throw the ball. There's something going on with the baseball. There's something going on with the command of pitchers. There's something going on. I I don't know. You guys have to help me. I can't. I've tried real hard to figure out what it is. It's going to be something for another day. Uh, I thought a lot of it would go away when the warmer weather got here and guys got a little better grip with the rosin and the sweat. But that really hasn't been the case. And, and we're putting it in a position now where nobody's going to be able to touch it. I was told by Mike Puma that uh, there's an 1889 or something record that we ha- we won't ever touch. Now, we've all been around a long time. We didn't cover the 1889 <laughs> team, Buck. <laughs> yeah, but as far as Starling, John, uh, he's making progress little by little. You know, we're not at the three-week mark yet, which is usually where they kind of give you an idea about the healing. We took some imaging. We sent him back early from Oakland as much as Sterling, I'm sure, wanted to stay in Oakland because uh, we just thought it was a good idea. I say that tongue-in-cheek. Uh, <laughs> we're going to uh, come on back. And uh, sometimes, you know, it, it's like with a bone, you go, okay, is it healed yet? The next day, or an hour later, is it healed yet? About an hour later, is it healed yet? I mean, it's just sometimes we thought just to kind of get him away from that constant you know, because people care whether it be the writers or whether it be teammates or whether it be, you know, trainers. Every once in a while, you know, you need to kind of get away from it. You know, it's not if, it's when, but everybody heals differently. Believe me, it's driving him crazy. He wants to be back tomorrow. And people are asking me about rehab assignments. I don't know, maybe like an hour. His rehab assignment <laughs> would be about keep in mind that on the 28th, Triple A and Double A quits playing. There, there's no games being played which is longer than it used to be. On the sub- subject along, you always think about how long a season is. Like, you know, there's a point in this season where we're asking Buck Walter, how are you going to get at bats for Robinson Cano? How are you going to keep Travis Jankowski on your roster? This is a long That feels like the 1889 baseball team you were talking about. But the one issue that has kind of persisted all year for you guys is how do you get the ball to Diaz? And now we have about a week left in the season. Can you give us an idea of what you believe the bridge is to get the ball from starters to Diaz? And are Peterson and McGill huge parts of this, especially Peterson as the lefty? Uh, potentially. You know, we've still got some time. But, you know, I don't think you're ever going to be able to get enough time to know exactly. I do know that uh, Adam Adebanos very quietly had a really good year for us. You know, Ad- Adam's been, uh, you know, he's pitched – like the guy that, that Billy and, and, and we thought, being a guy from the area and kind of understand how it works, not too high, too low, real competitive. You know, Lugo had a hiccup uh, last day, but that was more about five days off. Uh, he's been solid for us. I like our bullpen. You know, it's, it's second or third in the league. You know, people, you know, we're all chasing perfection. But you know, the bullpen's hard. But, uh, you know, comparatively speaking, you know, I'll take our bullpen. And uh, we have a lot of options there, some that may pop. You guys know every year in the playoffs, somebody emerges that you don't expect necessarily because there's not a strong track record of it to emerge. Just because someone hasn't done it doesn't mean they can't do it. And uh, it's a snowball time of the year. 
right now, again, it's about Pablo Lopez and the Marlins tonight. And yeah, we've talked about that. And we're looking at different pieces and different angles to it. But uh, maybe the setup guy is the starter. Who knows? But I like our guys. I like our bullpen. I like the job they've done for us. We've been able to pass the load around. And we're very proud that they're from a workload. We're in a really good place. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit, Buck. Um, I don't know if you're going to answer that first question that we kind of alluded to earlier. Whether it be Scherzer or DeGrom, I gave my answer. I thought it would be Scherzer. But you have a couple other questions there. The right EDH. Um, Ruff, you know, obviously he's got a great history against left-handed pitching. I'm going to assume he's probably your right EDH. Maybe you'll even say that. You have Vientos as another option. And then also, your starting pitching is in really good shape, but uh, that fourth starter, I mean, you have five good starters. You know, I would kind of think it might be Walker, who's the fourth starter, but obviously Carrasco's really good too. What are your thoughts along, along those three kind of debates at this point? Is it still in discussion, or are you leaning one way? I would kind of think it's probably rough, but, uh, you know, maybe the others are more debatable. No, you know, we'll look at it, John. We've got, uh, you know, we've got eight games left, and we'll continue to look at things change. The landscape changes from day to day. We're going to try to put our best foot forward every day, and uh, we've got a lot of people that care. These guys are, are pushing to try to win and win this division. And, you know, as far as the, the starters, we've got guys who got two more starts. We'll take all information in, and when the – Smoke clears, we'll figure it out. The challenge for for me and and uh, Billy and, and and Jeremy Hefter and the and the staff is to make sure that we present the most versatile way to go as the season winds down. We have to leave all our options because there the landscape can change quickly as far as division, as far as wild card, as far as you know. There's so many things that you have to be able. To, it could be a hurricane. You have to. It could be a doubleheader. You have to try to set up your rotation and your team to be able to wiggle when a curveball is thrown at you and still put your best foot forward. And um, as far as uh, Darren Ruff, you know, I wish Darren didn't care so much. It's almost like he wants something too much. And um, I found much like Escobar and much like some other guys I could mention uh, that, like y'all said, we've talked about the skies falling sometime during the course of the season. I found that when they have a track record and you stick with them, most of the time that's rewarded. I'll answer it that way. Well, you've won Manager of the Year just about everywhere you've been. You've done a terrific, terrific job this year. Uh, after Baltimore, you didn't manage for three years. You worked with Joel and myself over at the MLB Network. You do a great job on TV. Now, I'm wondering, uh, you're about my age. Uh, we're in the same range. You know, it had been three years since you'd gotten a job. Were you were you at all surprised that you got the job here? Obviously, you've done a terrific job. Were you surprised you're nodding, I think, or laughing? Uh, and how long do you want to keep doing this? I mean, I, I think everybody feels like you know more baseball than anybody as we sit here and do this. You know, obviously, there are several managers older than you, some of them doing very well. Dusty Baker still doing very well. Terry Francona still doing very well. You've got a three-year deal. Do you want to uh, keep going beyond that? What do you think? How much longer are y'all going to do it? <laughs> I, I'll make a play. When you, when you shut it down, we're all shut it down together. Well, but, Buck, no? I've done college visits, uh, and I've heard what the price tag is for college. I'll probably be doing it a little longer. <laughs> yeah, our job's, a little, I, our, our job's easier, too, so I, I can go a while. Your job is not very easy. John, you got to buy tennis equipment, don't yes. you? Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I... Uh, I don't know. I don't think about it. I really, you know, I don't spend a lot of time when the smoke clears at the end of every season. You know, it's, it's an honor. It is. And uh, I take it day to day and no, 
no pun intended or cliche intended. No, I had a great time with you guys as you were there. You know, I mean, I don't take myself near as seriously. And uh, these jobs, I pull for everybody that's trying to do it and the young guys and very lucky. You know, but those manager year things, they give it to the team that surprised the most. Okay. And that that's the epitome of a, you know, they do. If they, they don't give it to a team that was supposed to win a hundred and something games and does it. I tell you, one of the best jobs I was a part of, I thought, was in the 88 Fort Lauderdale Florida State League, finishing two games over 500 with that team that we had that year. Oh, my God. That's where I really learned to manage in 88, managing. We added a full season A club in the Yankee chain and, they sent all the release players to me in Fort Lauderdale. And I heard, it got back to me. He said, let's see this guy win with this guy. <laughs> You're doing pretty good. I, I You're doing first, pretty good this year, don't I you think? <laughs> we're having, we're, you know, we, oh, we've got talented players. And Billy in the front office did such a great job of adding makeup, that six tool, the, uh, the post-up tool. You know, you, you look at – when you add the players that Billy in the front office added and you want them all to come back next year – that tells you that you pick some good guys. Think about it, whether it be Marte, whether it be Escobar, whether it be Canna, whether it be Scherzer. Most of the time you get through with something like that and you go, oh, boy, I don't know about that one. <laughs> but I was thinking about it last night. I excited you are just to have them back. So I don't know, John. I, I'll take a little uh, dip test when the year's over with the oil stick and <laughs> – See what Billy, Billy and Steve and the players, more importantly, think. And right now, we're trying to beat the Marlins tonight. As a way to wrap up here, I'll also ask a big picture Buck Show Walter question. As we're sitting here, you have the 20th most wins in Major League history, 1,648. You're two behind Mike Socher. You're going to pass into number 19. Uh, hold your ears, I'm going to say. But in that group, the only three guys who haven't won a World Series are Gene My- Mock, Dusty Baker, and yourself. You always talk about being the last team standing. You always talk about it being a team thing. How much does Buck Showalter want to win a World Series personally because it puts an exclamation point on a career and it perhaps catapults your career into Cooperstown? That's a fair question, the Cooperstown. That's a, that's a joke. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> well, I got to say that you're coming up on, on Jim Leland. You're coming up on Jim Leland's number of wins. He's got one World Series. I. I don't know that he's a better manager than you. He's going to end up there. So I think it's a conversation. And we could say we knew you when. <laughs> when you were making 135000 as, as When Yankee you were eating manager. fried bologna sandwiches, <laughs> we were there for you. Hey, I've been to Cooperstown. I got hit in the head by Todd Ezel and Oniana. First, we was a converted catcher, but we didn't have uh, our catcher there yet. I mean, I And... <laughs> So Ezel had to catch, and they were going to put him on the mound. They warmed him up, and I went down the bullpen. Monk Meyer said, come on, he's loose. And I used to get in the batter's box. He hit me right here. That's why I don't hear too well this day. And I went in an ambulance over to Cooperstown Hospital. So I had to- <laughs> You've been to Cooperstown. <laughs> you you got inducted what? into the hospital. So... <laughs> Uh, so anyway, but I don't, uh, um, the driving force of winning a World Series. You're a competitive guy. Uh, yeah, everybody's get, trying to get a chance to roll the dice in October. And it is, you know, Lila told me uh, not too long ago, just reminded me, he said, you know, I got a ring, you know, Jim talks, I got a ring, you know, you know how I got it? Wild card. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's just a reminder of what a roll of dice it is. There's some advantage. We, we all think that by doing this, it's so important and you have to do that. I don't know. Uh, you know what? Uh, you want to make the baseball gods laugh, tell them about your plans. We're going to grind each day, starting tonight with the Marlins, and see where it takes us. But it's 
if not believe me, I'm very thankful for the honor it is to do this period. But as far as validation and all that type of stuff, it's about the players and it's about the fans. And I mean that it's every day they allow you to manage them. It's it, it, you're looking for the buy-in and these guys have, have bought in. They've never let anything separate them. They've walked away from everything that might make them pick a side. And that's really hard to do, especially in New York, because there's so many driving forces and they stay together through thick and thin and they've gotten a reward for it. I tell you, if it's fair and everybody's got this tail in every clubhouse, I'm sure that's winning. But if anybody is more deserving than our guys and our players, and quite frankly, our fans, you'd have to show me because these guys deserve to be the last team standing. We'll see. Well, Buck, we're going to find out who the last team is standing over the next month plus. We know your team is in the postseason. Congratulations on that. And thank you so much, Buck Walter, for joining us on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman. Guys, take care. Thank you. Thank Buck. you, Buck. Thank you. John, in shocking news, Buck Walter was very entertaining and informative, uh, <laughs> only for about three decades of our life, including this afternoon. Uh, what did you think of what he told us? What stuck out for you? Yeah, well, he is very entertaining, I would say that. He didn't quite answer the question about who's going to start game one, Scherzer or DeGrom. I'm still going to guess it's Scherzer. He didn't answer the question about uh, Carrasco or Walker uh, or Ruff or Vientos. I think it's going to be Ruff, but he is a very entertaining guy. He slipped in a lot of good wisecracks about the uh, Oakland A Stadium and a lot of other things, but... Uh, I think the most revealing thing he said at the end was uh, he thinks that his team deserves to be the last man standing. He loves his team. Yeah, I actually think he kind of answered the rough question by telling us he believes in track record and eventually track record pays off. That's good. You listen well. Uh, And I think that he was trying to tell us he's going to keep playing a guy who's hit lefties well in his career but hasn't yet as a Met. I'm with you. I think he's probably going to start Scherzer in game one, the health uh, and knowing that he could go one in five is probably important to him. Of course, we're saying one in five. They still have to win the division. Right, we're assuming, <laughs> right? Yeah. We're assuming. It's only a one-game lead. Uh, as we talk, they have three against Atlanta, supposedly in Atlanta. There's a hurricane bearing down on Georgia as we're speaking, so we'll see what happens with that series. I'm sure we'll be talking about it next week. Uh, when we're back on the show, uh, a podcast from the New York Post. This episode was presented by the Tri-State Cadillac Dealers. Uh, don't forget to visit your Cadillac showroom today. They're a great sponsor. Thank you so much for, uh, for Cadillac. We want to thank people over at Yes. We're on the Yes app. That uh, drops on Wednesday afternoon at about noon. If you want to listen to us before that, subscribe to the show on, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. We want to thank Jake Brown, as always, for producing the show and all the fine people here at MCM for helping us get it on the air uh, on the Yes app. Uh, follow us on Twitter. John's at, at John Heyman. I'm at Joel Sherman One. And of course, listen to us on Tuesday and every Tuesday on the show with Joel Sherman and John Heyman.